Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 657 with Andy Storch. If you feel like you have or are currently doing a bit of drifting in your career and or life, Andy has got some pro tips on getting things back into a good directed groove. So you'll learn one, three mental shifts that turn challenges into opportunities. Two, the ultimate tool for resolving your hardest decisions. And three, the subtle ways we waste time and how to stop. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, you can find them over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP657. And if you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I encourage you to check out our gold nugget email list that provides a summary of what Andy had to say in a quick note you can read in about two or three minutes, as well as access to the vault of all of such summaries of all such guests. That's that gold nuggets at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here's Andy's story. Andy Storch is an executive coach, consultant, and facilitator specializing in helping clients turn strategy into action and results. He helps leaders accelerate and grow their success through measurable improvements in their business and careers. Just as importantly, he helps them become the happiest, healthiest, and most fulfilled versions of themselves. Big thanks to Andy for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Here is Andy. Andy, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast again. Pete, thank you so much for having me back on. I am flattered. I'm honored. I'm a big fan of yours and everything you do. And I'm excited to be back on here to talk with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to be talking to you now. Boy, a lot has changed in the last uh, two and a half years since we recorded an episode. And and for you in particular, you've dealt with an extra dose of changes and, and you seem to be holding up masterfully. So could you give us a bit of the life update and just a little bit about how your mindset and how you're thinking about things? Sure. Yeah. I mean, over the last year, faced many challenges like uh, like many of your listeners and people you network with. You know, At the time, uh, early in 2020, my whole business was uh, selling and running in-person training programs. I was flying all over the country and the world. And of course, that got completely shut down by COVID. And uh, I made some pivots in my business last year. I wrote and published a book, which we'll be talking about. And around the time that I published my book in November of 2020, I was also diagnosed with testicular cancer, which was a complete surprise, not something I was planning on at all. I ended up having surgery uh, two days after I published my book and then spent uh, you know December and January trying some different treatments and uh, basically on the couch, unable to work, and then started chemotherapy in January. And uh, you and I are recording this in March. It's been a couple months 
of treatments. Uh, there have been some really hard days, some ups and downs. I'm feeling pretty good now as I've gotten through a lot of it. And yeah, mindset is something I was already big on going into this. Uh, in fact, I have a chapter in my book about the importance of having the right mindset. And it's something that's helped me get through this. And I would say to take it a step further, taking responsibility for everything that's going on, accepting what I can't control, focusing on the best path forward and spending a lot of time focusing on gratitude, which is hard to do sometimes when you feel like everything is horrible, right? You feel horrible, you can't walk and you just feel nauseous and terrible. But I remind myself and I remind others that no matter how bad things seem, no matter what the challenges you're going through, and we all have challenges, we always have things to be grateful for, reasons to be grateful. And that gratitude has helped me a lot. I wrote down in my journal, my gratitude every single day. The other thing that helped me from a mindset perspective was uh, remembering the nature of impermanence. And so that's something I learned about through my time of meditation and mindfulness over the last few years. And a certain phrase that I learned from a friend of mine that I kept in mind when I was going through the worst of the treatment on those days where I just felt absolutely horrible, that hating life feeling, I can't believe it's this bad. And I remember this phrase, I recited it often, which is, this is how it is right now. And that just kind of reminded me that, you know, I am going through this right now, but it's not going to be like this forever. And I'm going to accept the situation for what it is right now. I'm going to get through this. Tomorrow will be a better day. And sure enough, it almost always was. You know, there were some days that were absolutely horrible, but then things would get better. And uh, like today, I feel pretty good. And a lot of that stuff's in the rear view. And uh, we just keep moving forward day by day, knowing that, you know, there are going to be challenges, but we will get through them, possibly come out stronger. That's my plan. And I don't know why this happened for me, but I know it does create opportunities for me to share more of my story, to inspire people and help people who may or may be going through similar challenges. And I know, I know there will be plenty of those who come after me. And so I'm always happy to, to share my story. I've been sharing a lot on, on social media and on my podcasts so people know what's going on and also to know that, hey, if I can get through this stuff, you can get through whatever challenge you're dealing with right now, especially with that focus on gratitude. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. And, and, and yes, that is inspiring, just how you're handling things. And I, and I heard you even say, I don't know why this happened for me. And in your mm. chapter 13, it's called uh, Mindset is Everything. And that's one of the distinctions you talk about there. So I'd actually like to start with mindset and then um, rock and roll uh, throughout uh, the book. So tell us about that phrase, something happens for you as opposed to to you. Yeah, it's a simple but a very big flip and switch in your mindset. It's this idea of going from everything in life happens to you to everything in life happens for you. And uh, the to you, I see that as more the victim mindset. In other words, I'm waiting for things in life to happen to me. My boss did this to me. That person cut me off in traffic. Someone said something not nice to me. You made me angry or you made me happy. Instead of taking full responsibility and seeing everything in life as an opportunity. So from going from everything in life happens to me to everything in life happens for me. And when you believe everything life in life happens for you, then you start to see the silver linings. You start to see the opportunities that come up. And so I started even a couple of years ago using that language instead of and trying not to say that anything is happening to me or that this happened to me. Instead, I get to do this and this happened for me. By the way, that's another great switch you can make in your language. Stop using the phrase, I have to, 
like, oh, I have to do this podcast interview with Pete today. No, I get to do this podcast interview with Pete, just like I get to go through cancer and I get to go through chemo instead of I have to. And that it's a simple, it's a small switch, but it flips in your mind and it starts to, you know, you start to see everything in life as an opportunity, as almost something that you're choosing to do. And most of what we do, we do choose to do. And I think a lot of people don't realize it. They say things like, well, I have to go to work. I have this commute because I have to, you know, I have to go to that place or I have to go to this meeting. And the truth is, if you live in, you know, most countries in the world, you have free will, you have the opportunity, you are making choices every day. You are choosing to go to the work at that company that you work for. You are choosing to do the job that you're doing. You could walk away and do something else if you wanted to. I'm not saying it would be the best option, right? If you don't like your job, but you are making a choice. And when you're honest about that, then you start to realize that you have more control and ownership in your life than maybe you thought. And the whole idea behind this is I want people to take more ownership, to take more initiative and be more intentional with what you're doing and what you're saying. And when you're honest with yourself about what you get to do and you're able to make this switch and take that ownership mindset, it's a lot easier to then turn challenges into opportunities You know, by saying things like, I get to go to this job. I get to deal with cancer right now. Well, why? I don't know. It's not what I would have chosen, but I get to do it. And it gives me the opportunity to share my story and hopefully inspire and help more people when I'm done. And I really like that notion about the the have to is usually that's that's not true. And, and I'm thinking about the book Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg, which is awesome. Hmm. And it says most often when behind the have to is a because like I choose to do this because I don't want to get fired. <laughs> right. And, and in a way, yeah. that's still pretty coercive. It's sort of like, yeah. If it's all or nothing like that, and most things aren't, if, if it's all or nothing like that, it, it's still your choice. It, it's sort of like, well, I, I could choose to not comply with these things and not have this job anymore. Right. Or I could continue doing this. So so your, your have to is still a choice, even if it's kind of a narrow, coerced choice. Yeah. Another one that people do all the time that I, I think is a big switch when you're, when you're willing to be honest with yourself and others is uh, when people say, I don't have time to do that. Oh, I wish I could work on that project, but I don't have time. Or uh, I would have stopped by your happy hour, but I didn't have time. And the truth is you always have time to do anything you want. It's just that you chose to do something else. And mm -hmm. that choice may have been because you had a project that you felt you needed to get done. Otherwise, you'd get fired. Or maybe just that you, you chose to go do something else. Let's say you invited me on this podcast and I said, oh, Pete, I'm sorry, I don't have time. Or I asked to come on and you said, sorry, we don't have time you really do have time. What you're saying is, I don't see the value in having you on or, or coming on this show because I'm choosing yeah. to do something. Relative to my alternatives, it's not as valuable. Exactly. Uh -huh. I'm choosing to do something else during that time. So when you're honest with yourself, now the hard thing is to be honest with other people because when they invite you mm -hmm. to something and you say, I can't come, which is not true, what you really mean is, I'm sorry, I'm not going to come because I'm choosing to go somewhere else. That can sound kind of bad. So you got to pick your battles, but uh, it, it really is about being honest, at least with yourself. And I think that also changes a lot because it brings a lot of awareness to how you are prioritizing your time, right? Which allows you to think more about how you could be spending your time to maybe achieve more of your goals. Well, let's get right to the heart of that issue then in terms of you mentioned defining your unique purpose is in fact the ultimate productivity tool. So I love productivity tools. Tell us, how do we get to that unique purpose? I know you do, Pete, and I know you're <laughs> all about helping people be awesome at their jobs. 
in the book, I talk about the importance of, of setting a vision and getting clarity on where you are going with your career and with your life. And no one's going to hold you to that. Things always change. You never know exactly what's going to happen down the line. But the more clarity you have in where you're going, the easier it is to make decisions when they come up, whether you get laid off or someone offers you a new job or you know a business opportunity, something like that. These decisions become easier when you have clarity on where you're going. And then when you you use that to set the goals for accomplishing and achieving that vision. But when we set big goals, if you are an ambitious person like you and I, you know that challenges are almost always going to come up, right? Something's going to try to get in your way. And that's where I think being connected to your purpose, understanding your why behind that goal and behind why you're doing anything or everything can be that really motivating factor to help you get through things. And the way you find that purpose and you connect to that purpose is through a lot of self-reflection. At least for me, it's asking that question, why, over and over again. Why do I want to achieve this goal? Why do I want to get that promotion? Why do I want to move into finance? Why do I want to achieve financial freedom? Or why do I want to travel with my family? Or you know, all, any goals, that, why do I want to lose weight? Or you know, why do I want to pay off my debt? Whatever goals you have, asking yourself why and really getting honest and deep with it. Because what I've noticed over time is, and this is part of, you know, I talk about people drifting and operating in reaction mode in the book, is that a lot of people are setting goals based on other people, based on things that they see out there on social media or what their friends are doing. And when you truly set goals based on your own values and your own priorities and connect with your own purpose for what's driving you to do those things, you become a lot more motivated, right, to go out and achieve those things and to overcome those challenges, right? When you're trying to lose weight and you set a goal to go to the gym three or four times a week, you need a good purpose behind that because challenges are going to come up. Somebody's going to invite you to happy hour. Work is going to run long. You're going to feel tired one day and not feel like going to the gym. But when you have that purpose, I want to have more energy to play with my kids and I want to be around for a long time. That's the driving why behind your goals. And it's going to give you more motivation to go out and overcome challenges to achieve those things. You can also get ideas for other people behind as far as purpose is concerned, and then get feedback from people around you as well. So in the book, I mentioned an interview I did with my friend, Travis Jomert, who used to run purpose programs in the organization where he worked, where you know people would go through a workshop to discover their personal purpose. And then they'd go around and spend several days running that by other people, their colleagues in the company and get feedback on that. So I might say, Pete, my purpose, and this is my life's purpose that I recite every day, by the way, is my life's purpose is to love and support my family, to continue to grow and improve, to model a healthy and intentional lifestyle and add value to the world. You could give me feedback on that and say, well, you know, I know you, Andy, and I don't really see you doing those things. Or could you give me a little <laughs> bit more clarity on this one thing? Or you know, tell me more about this. Maybe you could hone it down a little bit more, or you could say, I love it, right? What either way, if I get feedback from you, I might be able to hone it down and improve it a little bit more. And then come back to that purpose on a regular basis. You know, write it down, recite it as an affirmation as I do mine every day. And it can be a really motivating factor in everything you do, just like mine has been for me, both with achieving big goals like uh like publishing a book and getting through cancer and making sure that I'm still there for my family and I'm still doing the things that I know are gonna help me be happier and more successful in the long term. All right. So, so part of arriving at that unique purpose is, is bringing in feedback from, from other people. And then I'm curious, uh, prior to that, how did you land upon yours as you've articulated it? 
Well, you know, to be honest, I the initial spark of the idea came from hearing a couple other people talk about theirs, one of whom was uh, Hal Elrod, who wrote the book, The Miracle Morning. I borrowed some of my affirmations from his when I started developing those. And hearing him, I think on a podcast once, even talk about his purpose, and then thinking through, okay, what do I want mine to be? I see what he's doing. I see what other people are doing with theirs. And a lot of it also came from going back to that self-reflection, what really motivates me? And what I realized in really reflecting on my life, especially throughout my 20s, when I really felt like I, you know, looking back was really drifting. I was having fun, but I wasn't really progressing. I wasn't, I was happy, but I wasn't truly happy. And what I realized is after college, I stopped learning. I stopped growing. And then when I got into my 30s later, uh, and I got into personal development, and I started investing in myself and reading more and learning and taking courses and going to workshops, I felt so much happier and more fulfilled. And I realized that growth has to be a big part of my purpose because it's a driving factor for me. So that's something I built in that I must always be learning and growing. And I've realized through my own self-awareness and through reflection that that's something that's a driving factor for me, growth and contribution. And it may be for other people. It might be something different for other people. But that reflection is so critical I think, to really developing that purpose and understanding why you you live the way you live, what truly makes you happy and fulfilled, and what's driving you and going to help you go forward and achieve your goals. Okay, thank you. Well, so we've already gotten into a number of the key ideas inside your book. Own your career, own your life, stop drifting, and take control of your future. Let's talk about this. This title almost feels like it's two topics, two podcast interviews, owning one's career and owning one's life. Tell us, What's the same versus different when we're going about owning each of these domains? Yeah, it's a good point. And I often describe the book as a personal development book disguised as a career development book. So for those listening, if you're looking for Mm. straight career development with interview help and things like that, that's not all in there, right? This is a lot more personal development. Where the overlap is this idea of being really intentional with how you're spending your time, with the goals you set, with how you go and achieve those things, getting help along the way and going after and achieving the goals that you want in your career and not operating in reaction mode, waiting for other people to tell you what to do, doing the things just because you think society deems it, you know, I I should be watching sports or Netflix or (laughs) I should be, right, you know, spend my time doing these things when you might really want to be doing something else. And then for your career, that's where I really dive into how do you set yourself up for future success, you know, the middle section of the book that kind of bridges the two is about planning for the future or owning your future, controlling your future, whatever you want to call it, by doing things like investing in continuous learning, building a network, and building a personal brand. And all those things are going to help you in your career, but you know they're going to help you in your life as well. And then on the life side, of course, you know, talk about the importance of things like investing in your health, getting enough sleep, getting exercise, eating right, things like that, that are going to serve you well in your life. But I think they will also serve you well in your career as well. Okay, understood. And I'm intrigued... When it says in the subtitle, stop drifting and take control, I think that word drifting is resonant and that many people feel they're adrift or they're currently drifting or they've had seasons in which they're drifting. What's behind the drift? Where does it come from and what do we do about it? 
Yeah, I, I was worried, to be honest, that I would offend people or people wouldn't realize they are. How dare you? I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a friendly guy. I shy away from conflict, but I do want to wake people up. And I've been there myself. As I mentioned, I was drifting through much of my 20s. I had a lot of friends. I had a decent job, I was, but I was going out partying every night. I was watching a ton of sports. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But I realized in, you know, after the fact that they weren't moving me forward. They weren't helping me in my career. They weren't helping me achieve my goals. And they weren't contributing towards my growth or my fulfillment. And I'd rather, now that I realize those things, I'd much rather be you know, having a conversation with someone like you, investing in a course or a mastermind group or reading a book and learning than you know, watching football and baseball all day. And again, nothing wrong with those things if that's how you choose to spend your time. But I want people to realize that how they're spending their time can have a big impact on their life. And a lot of things we do are not really moving us forward. You know, they're just kind of static exercises that we're often doing because we think, well, that's what we need to do. That's what society tells us to do. And this originally came from a book by Napoleon Hill that was all about drift. It was written some 80 years ago, and it's still uh, resonant today as it was back then. But the idea that the devil gets hold of us through drifting, through people just spending too much time drinking or smoking or you know watching TV or doing things that really don't move them forward versus being really intentional with their lives and being intentional with the, how you're spending your time and where you're going and, and what you're doing. And I think this comes also down to people being honest. And I'm sure you come across this all the time, Pete. You work at a lot of, with a lot of people in the professional world, successful and not successful, whatever. People who say things like, well, family is the most important thing to me, but they're working... 60, 80 hours a week, right? And then spending all day Sunday watching football. Again, nothing wrong with those things. It's just about being honest with who you are, what's important to you, and how you're spending your time. And does that time, how you're spending your time, actually match up with what you say are your values and your priorities and what the most important things are to you? Or are you spending your time doing other things? And do you need to maybe make some adjustments, you know, kind of wake up, stop drifting, like I said, and take control of your future by being a lot more intentional? with your actions and how you're spending your time. What's interesting to me is some of those drifting examples you shared in terms of uh, watching sports, watching Netflix, drinking, smoking. You know, in some ways, uh, I guess the theme I see there is it may be sort of societal messaging that these things are cool or fun or what to do. Yeah. I think it also could be that those are some of the easiest ways to just sort of push the pleasure button. I might add uh, video games (laughs) into that mix as well. Or... Well, okay, I'm just going to trim There's that. lots of things you yeah, could add in sure. there. And even like reading romance novels all day, you know, you some people uh-huh. might say reading is is more is superior to watching TV, but you're still just kind of spending your time doing something that doesn't really advance you in any way. And society, you know, we as men, especially Pete, and I always hate to generalize, right? But men are supposed to be into sports and watch every tournament and championship game, right? The commercials tell us that. But we don't have to live that way. We don't have to do that. And again, there's nothing wrong with those things. And I spent all of my 20s watching sports like 24-7. I was a huge, huge fan. And now looking back, I realized that I gained almost nothing from that. And the funny thing is, what I always joke about now is that you could spend six hours or four hours on a night watching a basketball game or a football game, and I could skip it and check the score and spend 30 seconds reading the recap the next day, and you and I have the same exact amount of information. Uh, So you can save yourself a lot of time just by scanning the headlines. You could be spending that time learning something 
or making progress in your career, working on a goal, working on a new project, spending time with your kids, with your spouse, with friends. Uh, There's so many things you could be doing that I think would contribute so much more happiness and fulfillment to your life than watching sports. Well, and so then there's a theme there associated with it's the easy thing. It's the messaging you've heard elsewhere. It's just sort of the rut that you've been into. It might give you a bit of a dopamine hit here and there. But it seems like you're really saying, well, let's elevate the perspective and evaluate how we're spending time in these ways in in terms of the better criteria are, are not so much those, but rather, is it advancing me into where I want to go and who I want to become? And what are some of the other key questions or criteria you use to evaluate whether something is a great or okay or bad use of time? Yeah. So does it connect with your values? And you know, this would require you to probably go do a values exercise. I'm not an expert on this, but you can go Google values exercises. There are tons of them available out there, right? And it usually it involves looking at a lot of different words and then eliminating and narrowing it down to the top five and saying, hey, what are the most important things to me? And that helps guide you in making decisions and how you spend your time. You know, the easy example is if you say health is like the mo- one of the most important things to you, when you know five o'clock rolls around, you're planning on going to the gym and your friends invite you to happy hour, what do you do? Do you go to happy hour or you go to the gym? There's no right or wrong answer, but if your value is that health is your one of your most important things, you probably go to the gym. Whereas if, if socializing or connection is one of your most important values, you probably go to happy hour and, and hang out with your friends, right? Uh, or get on that Zoom happy hour during a mm. pandemic, right? <laughs> so think about understanding your values and your your purpose, which we talked about earlier, and then figuring out what are those goals? What are those things you want to achieve both professionally and personally? Uh, is it a promotion? Is it moving from finance into marketing and or doing something different with your career? Is it work, or is it starting or running a side business? Maybe starting a podcast. You want to be cool like like Pete, or uh, maybe it's it's losing weight or getting a, a second degree or learning another language. And it's easy to put those things off because you get sidetracked with some of those drifting activities we talked about, whether it's watching TV or sports or you know whatever it is, and thinking about how are you spending your time and being honest with how you spend your time. And then going back to the mindset piece, the mental bandwidth, we talked about that ownership mindset. The other thing I would say is when you focus your energy on things that are within your control and you try not to spend too much time worrying or thinking about things outside of your control, you can also get a lot more done. We just came off of a very long and contentious election cycle here in the United States, right? And so many people spend all this time thinking about the election and who's going to win and I, all the other people that don't believe the thing that I believe. And yet there's really almost nothing you could do about it other than casting your vote on that one day, which you know honestly takes like an hour or less. The rest of the time, we're spending all this time worrying about something that is outside of our control and there's really nothing we can do about it. So we're much better served focusing on things in our control, like our job, our career, our business, our family, connecting with friends, working on that goal, learning that new language, whatever it may be that's gonna make you happier than focusing your time watching CNN all day, wondering what's gonna happen with the election. And I'm not saying I don't get sucked into those things from time to time, especially in an election cycle, but I try to avoid it as much as possible because I know I have a very limited amount of time and I want to spend that doing important things that are going to move me forward in my life. You know, that's an interesting perspective and it sounds very simple and maybe almost obvious, but it rings true and I think it's easy to forget or ignore. What you said there is that the more 
time we spend on things within our control, the better. And that sounds right. And, and I wonder if you have a good study on it. I, I, I love those because I think it's true that the more we spend time on the here and now, mm. the happier we feel. And I, and I think likewise, it, it adds up that the more you spend time on what you can control, maybe the more meaning or fulfillment or excitement is in your life. Yeah. What do you think here? I think it leads to a lot more happiness and fulfillment mm -hmm. because when you're spending your time thinking about things outside your control, that's when people get really anxious, right? They experience a lot of anxiety, mm -hmm. worry. People spend a lot of time worrying about either things that happened in the past or things that might happen in the future when you have no control over those things, right? You could be spending your time focused on the present, as you mentioned, which is the only thing that we can control is how we act in the present, what we think and how we react to things in the present moment. Uh, we can't control the things that might happen in the future. And we certainly can't change anything that happened in the past, right? But we can, we can do things today to help set us up for success in the future. We can do things today to help influence our future, but we can't do anything about the thing in the future. I heard a quote a long time ago that I love that, you know, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives us something to do, but it doesn't take us anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And we really are not getting anywhere by worrying about those other things that are outside of our control. This is not easy, by the way. I'm not saying you could just flip a switch and stop worrying about stuff that might be coming that are outside of your control. Like if your company announces that, hey, we might be downsizing in a couple of months or something, like, of course, you're going to worry that your job might be eliminated. But I'm saying that the more you can limit the time that you spend worrying about that and focus on what you can do today, which that might include, you know, making sure that your bosses understand the value that you contribute to the, you know, in your role in your organization. Uh, it might be starting to build your network or honing up your resume, go calling a recruiter, you know, going and talking to some people and, and looking at future job opportunities, not sitting around waiting and worrying what happens if I get laid off, start taking action today that things you can do in the present moment that will help set you up for future success. All right. Lovely. Well, we've talked a lot of big picture things. Andy, could we zoom in before we shift gears and hear about your favorite things about just a few tactics like, oh boy, here's a quick trick or script or key question that makes a load of difference when it comes to owning your career and owning your life. Yeah. One of those is investing in continuous learning. The days of relying on getting that college degree and then working for the next 40 years are gone. I think we can all agree easily on that, right? The future of work, work is changing all the time. Jobs that exist today, there are a lot of jobs that exist today that didn't exist 20 years ago. Pete, you probably have a, a podcast producer and editor. That mm -hmm. job didn't exist 20 years ago, right? There are a lot, tons of social media managers out there. The job didn't exist 20 years ago. And that means jobs are going to change again in the next 10, 20 years. And the job you do today might not exist. You've got to be learning all the time to help you get better at your job and, and prepared for things that come up. If you're listening to this podcast, you know, I'm preaching to the choir, right? You are listening because you want to learn and better yourself. That's why you follow Pete and listen to this podcast, of course. And hopefully you listen to others. You read books, you take courses, uh, you hire coaches, things like that, because all of those things can be really helpful as well as formal education. The next thing is building your network. I mean, nothing has been more critical to my success over the years than having a strong network, uh, having relationships with lots of different people. Every opportunity I've gotten in my career has come through my network and through relationships. And you can be doing that, whether we're in a pandemic in a virtual world or an in-person world, there are plenty of opportunities to do that by attending virtual summits, getting active on LinkedIn, 
reaching out to people inside and outside your organization on a regular basis to have virtual coffees, you know, get to know each other sessions and just chatting with people and find out what they're working on. Look for opportunities to give value and contribute and help other people around you because I believe karma is real. It does come back to you when you do that. And so you can get really practical and tactical with that by saying, hey, I'm going to reach out to three new people a week, especially if you have a specific goal, like I want to move from finance into marketing, start reaching out to people who work in marketing, build your network in that space, make those connections, ask them questions, learn about how they got to where they did, learn about the mistakes they made, the things they made they did that will help them become more successful. And that's going to lead to you being more successful. It might lead to job offers. You have no idea what might come from that. And then the third piece that I mentioned there is building your personal brand. And uh, a lot of people believe a myth that if you just do a good job of your job, then you'll be rewarded and promoted. Uh, When the truth is, people often are rewarded based on their reputation, not on the job, the quality of the job that they do or they did. And you've probably seen this a lot, Pete, as well. Reputation is huge. It's everything. And a personal brand, I talk about a personal brand or professional brand, it's, it's nothing more than your reputation amongst your colleagues, your peers out in the marketplace. And you know, the interesting thing about the personal brand and the reputation is that whether you do anything about it or not, you have a reputation. Uh, so I always say you might as well be intentional about building that. And I always recommend being authentic. I never want anybody to be inauthentic in, their, in the personal brand or the reputation they're building. But think about how you're showing up at work, the types of projects you take on, the way you collaborate with others, the way you work with others. Are you easy to work with? Are you, do you easy to get along with? Are you difficult to work with? And then do you put any content on social media? Do you post anything on LinkedIn? Do you uh, go interact with other people's posts, comments on things, send messages, connect with others? All of those things can contribute to your reputation and your personal brand and can help you get that next job that you might want or that promotion. A lot of it comes down to the brand and the reputation that you're building And so there's a lot of things you can do on a regular basis to help set you up for success in that area. All right. Well, now tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we hear about some of your favorite things. No, I think that's it. I mean, we've we've covered so much great ground and it's really about being intentional with your actions, being honest about how you're spending your time and remembering that, you know, nobody cares more about your career than you do. So you've got to be the one to kind of take the reins to set your vision, set your goals, connect with purpose, and start doing the things that I talked about to set you up for future success and take control of your future. You know, idiot, when you say that line, no one cares more about your career than you do, I chuckle a little bit because, well, it's so true, kind of on the inside, like how you feel about your own career. But I see yeah. it on the outside, like, because, you know, hey, I got the show. I love, I love talking about this kind of stuff. Nonetheless, when I am in a meeting... And people start introducing themselves and they give me like a three minute kind of like career story. Well, I did a stint in marketing and then I went, came back to operations. I don't know about you, but I'm just so bored. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why should I care? Right. Why is this relevant to me? I mean, they just give me a theme, you know, it's like, Hey man, I'm the guy who always has uh, the, the wild ideas, whether I was in marketing, I did this or manufacturing, I did that or finance, I did that. I was like, okay, gotcha. Let's see. I don't know that I find that help. Like, okay, I understand kind of what your thing is as opposed to just a chronology of things. Maybe I'm no, difficult to work with Andy. And you're not going to care as much as they do about that, <laughs> yeah. that career, right? That you did. And, and, and if you're, by the way, if you're lucky, you might have a manager who cares a lot about your career. And a lot of people have, yeah. you know, your, your mom probably cares a lot about you and your mm-hmm. career, but nobody really cares as much about your career as you do. Right? <laughs> well, certainly. And I think that the, the, what you can control side of that is therefore go ahead and, and then take some big action to, to rock and roll. 
because most other folks won't. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, friends, family, loved ones, manager can nudge, but maybe not. So yeah, seize the reins. That's right. All right. Now can you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? One that resonated with me recently was from Albert Einstein, uh, which is uh, try not to be a person of success, but try to be a person of value. And the reason that resonated with me recently, because I feel like, especially as you're building a career and we're in this tumultuous world, you see a lot of people out there that are kind of showcasing or talking about how successful they are in social media or whatever it may be. But if you want to get far, if you want to build a network, you want to build relationships, if you want to get promoted or find success in a job or a career that you're in, the more you prove to be valuable to the people around you, the more successful you're going to be in the end because they're going to want to work with you more. They're going to want to promote you. They're going to want to do business with you. They're going to want to help you. So when you seek to be a more of a person of value than just trying to show that you are successful, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be more valuable, but you're going to be rewarded, I think, across the board. All right. And how about a favorite book? One of the ones I mentioned in my book is the book, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. It's kind of changed my life and set me on a trajectory when I got into personal development in 2016. But another book that I love that I probably give as a gift more often than any other book is The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of like my Bible. It's a book of 366 uh, quotes from the Stoics, each with a kind of an explanation for modern times. And I read it every day, often with my kids. And just, it's always thought-provoking, always gives me things to think about and helps me reflect on how I want to live my life and has been really influential for me. And how about a favorite tool? Something you use to be awesome at your job. Ooh, I am. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, the Google Suite. So I use you know Docs and, and Sheets a lot, and I have an assistant who helps me integrate everything in my business and to be able to easily share and have everything in the cloud for us to work together on. I'm a big fan of Zoom. Like anybody else, it became even more important during the pandemic to get on video calls with each other. And I'll just the reason I mention that too is I I mentioned the importance of networking, and I think it becomes more important that we come become intentional with how we build our network. When we're in a remote and virtual world, especially within your company, you've got to reach out to people intentionally. And it's great to have a video tool like Zoom, where you can just still get on video with people. You can connect. It becomes more intimate than just being on the phone. You could build those connections and help you build that network, which becomes critical for you later on in, uh, down the road. And is there a particular nugget you share that tends to resonate with folks? They quote it back to you frequently? Well, I already talked about uh, you know the idea that nobody cares more about your career than you do. Lately, what we talked about at the the very beginning of this podcast is about gratitude, and I've been sharing a lot of that lately as I've been going through my journey. That gratitude really is everything. And uh, when you think about it, and I learned this from uh, going to a Tony Robbins workshop years ago, that when you are fully immersed in gratitude, you really cannot experience anxiety or anger, or any negative emotions. And that's why I think gratitude is so important, so powerful, and that no matter what challenge we are going through, we can always find reasons to be grateful. And it's also important when you're an ambitious person, you know, we talk about being awesome at your job, you set big goals, you want to get promoted, you want to do well, whatever it is you want to experience or or accomplish. Uh, It's great to have big goals, but we never want to tie our happiness to the goal right? Because there are always going to be more goals and it's it's almost, always going to elude us. We also want to make sure that we're enjoying the journey that we're on, uh, that we are grateful for the things that we have today. We always have things to be grateful for, whether it's family, friends, great weather, a great podcast to listen to like this. 
anything. You can be grateful for anything, a good cup of coffee, but make sure that you spend time thinking about reflecting on and immersing yourself in gratitude on a regular basis. And I think that tends to lead to a lot more happiness and fulfillment in life. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Well, I'm pretty active on social media, LinkedIn and Instagram. They're all the time. I've got a couple podcasts, as you mentioned, uh, including the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast and the book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, which is available on Amazon and everywhere else. And I've got some free resources, including the five steps to owning your career, uh, which is available at ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus. So if you just go to ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus, you can pick up all the bonus resources from the book, including five steps to how to own your career. All right. Do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? So the challenge, the final challenge is, and I have this challenge in the book, it's the no complaining challenge. If you want to take on an ownership mindset of your life and you believe that everything happens in life for you and not to you, and you take full responsibility in life, then I challenge you to stop complaining for a day or a week or a month. Some people may not do this already very much. Some people complain all the time and it's going to be difficult to get away from that. But I challenge you to stop complaining because complaining, while it feels good in the moment and it passes the buck or responsibility to somebody else, it doesn't ever really get you anywhere. So if you want to take full responsibility, you take responsibility and ownership for everything going on in your life and you try to eliminate all complaining if possible. So try to do it for a day or a week, see if that works. And if it does, see if it can last longer. I try to never complain about anything and I find that I'm a lot happier as a result. All right, Andy. Thank you. This has been a treat. I wish you lots of luck with uh, the the book and your work and your recovery and, and keep on inspiring. Pete, thank you so much for having me on. I love all the work that you're doing. It's been an honor to come on and talk with you and share. And uh, I just really appreciate you having me on. You know, it might sound corny to you and maybe it doesn't, but if it does, I encourage you to, to get over that and really adopt those three simple language mindset shifts associated with not so much, hey, this happens to me, but rather it happens for me. There's a way in which it is serving you, whatever that thing may be. Or I have to, I'm stuck with obligation and no choice versus I get to. There's an opportunity available to me. I don't have time to do that versus I'm choosing to do something else during that time. These little language shifts, I think, make for big mental shifts that unlock good feelings, good possibilities. And I recommend watch your language and see if those adjustments make you feel different, do different and get results different. So thanks, Andy. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP657. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, 
hunt for muddy puddles and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.